Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman. It is Monday. It is Let's Ride. It is a Victory Monday podcast, folks. That's right. The Steelers win in Week 15 against the Carolina Panthers with a final score of 24-16. to Weird score. Could have looked a bunch of different ways. Ends up being 24-16. to Steelers, this is a great win. I got to be honest, this was a great win. We're going to talk about it. We have news, injury news. Keep you up to date with all the latest in terms of NFL draft order. We are going to obviously dissect this game, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on the game as well. And in the second half of this podcast, like we do every single time the Steelers play, the day after, we go through winners and losers. There's a lot of winners. There are some losers. (laughs) There's one really big loser, but there's only a few. So you know what? Let's get started. Let's get headfirst into this thing with the news. I always talk about injuries. We uh, lean on Mike Tomlin in his post-game press conference to give us an update on any banged-up players. Or as Mike Tomlin would say, the bumps and bruises associated with football. This was great. There were no injuries. There were no injuries of note. Mike Tomlin said that they didn't have any injuries. So that's really good news for players like T.J. Watt battling ribs. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, who has had a toe and a bunch of other ailments throughout this season. Pat Fryermuth and his foot. Miles Jack, who was inactive, dealing with a groin injury. And yes, even Kenny Pickett, who is still continuing to go through the NFL's concussion protocol. Will he be cleared? We don't know. 
Will the Steelers just be patient with the rookie? We don't, we don't know. We'll find out more from Mike Tomlin on Tuesday. Yes, even though it's a short week, Tomlin's press conference will not be until well, normal time. Normal time, even though it's a little short week, normal time on Tuesday. So we'll have more information about the quarterback situation and things like that. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about next week. We're here to talk about this week. And in this week, other news that you need to know, Chicago loses again. The Chicago Bears lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. They've now lost seven games in a row. Seven games in a row dating back to the trade where they sent that second-round pick to Pittsburgh for Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool's out of the lineup dealing with an injury. And they now currently have, as of the moment this is being recorded, the second overall draft pick in the draft. So remember, when you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, man, the Steelers win, you're thinking about the draft order, all this stuff, in that second round, they could have the second overall pick. That could change. But it's going to be a high pick. No doubt about it. With only three games left, that's going to be a high pick. So the Pittsburgh Steelers have to like that. And every single week, every single loss from the Bears, that pick looks better and better. If you're curious about the Steelers, they currently, as of this being recorded, are 14th right now with their 6-8 and eight record, 14th overall in terms of draft order. And again, a lot can change in the final few weeks of the regular season before anything is solidified as it pertains to the Steelers' draft order. A couple other tidbits here. The Steelers have wrapped up their uh, divisional opponents. I'm not talking about the AFC North. I'm talking about how every single year the NFL pairs divisions with other divisions, and that's where they make up the schedule. You know who you're playing. You know where you're playing. You just don't know in terms of the weeks how it gets laid out. You don't know the time, all that stuff. The Steelers, by beating the Carolina Panthers, finished this season 4-0. and They finished 4-0 and against the NFC South. Arguably the worst division in all of football, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 6-8 and are we're leading this division. It's just it's atrocious, but still the Steelers do their job and they were 4-0. Conversely, I did not realize this until it was brought up in the postgame show by Dave Schofield that the Steelers also went 0-4 against the AFC East when they lost to the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Bills, and yes, even the Jets at home. So there's a little bit of news for you following that Week 15 win, but let's talk about this performance. I use the term dominant. Yeah, I write the recap article. So I'm writing during the game and I'm trying to trying to paint a picture for those that might have missed the game. Maybe you didn't have the game in your area. Maybe you didn't get to see it live. I, I want to write an article that's not it's not like what you would see on ESPN. I'm trying to write an article that if you were to read it, you're kind of like, okay, I can kind of get a feel for what's going on with each possession, the ebb and flow of the game. You're going to see highlights where I take clips from Twitter put them into the article. So I try to I try to do that, but I'd labeled this or I headlined this, uh, that article, that the Steelers dominated the Panthers. And I honestly do believe that it was a dominant performance in every facet. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to, you know, Merriam-Webster here, and I'm going to look up the definition. Dominant is powerful, influential, but go on to find it commanding, controlling, prevailing over others. When you think about dominant in those terms, yes, those were all describe the Steelers' win over the Panthers. Now, I understand, okay? I understand that this, these are two, they were, they were five and eight teams coming into this game. Two five and eight teams are two five and eight teams. I don't need to tell you that they're middle of the road to subpar football teams. 
not saying anything about that, but just for a second, okay? Let, let's do this little exercise. Do this with me. Unless you're driving, in which case, don't, don't do all of it, okay? So just close your eyes for a second. If you're driving, keep your eyes on the road. Focus, okay? But listen to what I'm saying. Just for a second, I want you to forget about the Steelers' record, okay? Just forget about the record. I want you to forget about the opponent that they played on Sunday, okay? I just want you to think about the performance and how the Steelers won the game, okay? So forget about the record. Forget about the opponent and just think about how the Steelers won this game. The first thing that comes to mind for me is their ability and willingness to not just run the ball, but to stick with the run. Running the football is a recipe for success with the Steelers, and we know it now regardless of who is a quarterback. There were a lot of people that thought, you know, coming out of the bye, when they were really focusing on the running game, that it was because of the rookie at quarterback and Kenny Pickett. No, like the, the that's a recipe for success for any quarterback, and that's okay. Mitch Trubisky did a great job. We'll talk about him in the second half. But listen to these numbers here, folks, from the Steelers running backs. Najee Harris finishes 24 carries. That's an important number for me. 24 carries to Najee Harris. Now, I did not look up what his career high for carry, or not career high, but what his season high is for carries. I would imagine 24 would be pretty close to that season high. He finishes 24 carries, 86 yards. He had one touchdown, a 10-yard long. These were grinded-out runs, folks. Grinded-out runs. He did not break a big run. And that's something we talked about in the postgame show where everyone said, I think it was uh, one particular viewer slash listener said, what's it going to take for Najee Harris to ever get 100 yards rushing? Well, it's going to take him breaking off a big run. Uh, a 25-plus 20, yard run. That's what it's going to take. He didn't have that, but he still got 86 yards on the ground for a 3.6-yard average. I always love to see the Steelers and their running backs average above 3.5. Get above 3.5. Think about what that's doing. If you're averaging 3.5 yards on the ground, you run the ball in first and second down, 7 yards there based on your averages, and you're setting up a third and three. That's That is how you do it. But let's go to the other running back, Jalen Warren. He had 11 carries, 38 yards. He, too, scored a touchdown, his first touchdown as a professional. So kudos to the rookie, the undrafted rookie. He had a nice little dance. You could probably tell that this guy's been itching to hit pay dirt. He just was I mean, he was ready, and it was great. And it also sucked at the same time that there was like a little bit of skirmish that happened afterwards. And so he, he didn't really get to relish in that moment too long because they all had to rush to their, their teammates' defense. But he finishes with that touchdown, a nine-yard long, and he, too, averaged three and a half yards per carry. So the Steelers running the football. Again, forget the record. Forget the opponent. That's good football. That's good football. Also, protect the football. I used to think that the Steelers always had to be on the positive side, the plus side of the turnover differential for them to see success. I still enjoy, I still want that to happen, but a want and a need are two different things. It's not a necessity for them to get those extra possessions. Definitely a want but not a need. And the Steelers just not turning the ball over sometimes is good enough for a win, and that's exactly what we saw on Sunday in Week 15. Mitch Trubisky protected the football. They didn't make boneheaded mistakes on in the return game or anything like that. 
protect the football, and run the ball. And everything else just seems to fall into place. But there's another facet of this game that if you just think to yourself, forget the opponent, forget the record, how did they play? And this is the run defense. Now, I didn't say forget the past. And Mike Tomlin said this in his postgame press conference when he talked about how the last six quarters, the last six quarters, that goes back to the second half of the Falcons and all four quarters against the Ravens in week 14, they struggled to stop the run. They didn't struggle to stop the run on Sunday. Listen to what Carolina ended up finishing as a team, folks. 16 carries. That's an important number. They only ran the ball 16 times. So 16 carries, 21 yards. I'll say that again. 21 yards. 2-1. 16 carries, 21 yards. It's a 1.3-yard average. They did not score a touchdown. Their longest run of the day was 5 yards. That is called stopping the run, my friends. I'll read those again. 16 carries, 21 yards, a 1.3-yard average, no touchdowns, and a five-yard long. This game was as dominant as the Steelers have played all season. And I thought at the time, I thought it was the game against the New Orleans Saints coming off of the bye week. But it wasn't because the Steelers didn't move the ball that well. They didn't take advantage of the opportunities as well as we all wanted them to. They did in this game. In my opinion, and this is just my opinion, you're entitled to your own. In my opinion, this win provides hope. Not just hope for the final games of the season, but hope beyond that. So let me let me explain this a little bit. This is a game where I watch this team, and I'm thinking to myself, if they could just play like this all the time, I mean, they would be. this would be a team that could be reckoned with. And that's the issue. We'll get to that in a second. But still, this win, the way the offense played, this shows that that hint of potential, that dreaded P word that I always say I hate to talk about, but this is what it provides. You've seen them have this type of performance, performance of running the football, performance of stopping the run, protecting the ball, taking advantage of opportunities in red zone, having an unbelievable third-down offensive performance. So I'm not saying that a win over a 5-8 and eight team, so now we're kind of getting out of that exercise, now we're focusing on the fact that they did play a 5-8 and eight team. Now I'm not saying that a win over a 5-8 and eight team is going to alter the trajectory of this team, that it's somehow going to skyrocket them forward into the offseason, into 2023. It just proves that the Steelers are capable of doing it. It proves that if that's what's needed, they can get the job done. But that hasn't been what's plagued this team this season. What's plagued the team this season is the ability to do it over and over again, to be consistent. Give you the perfect example. Said this on the postgame show, I'll say it again here. When everyone talks about the Steelers' offensive line, they always point, and I do this as well. I'm a part of the I'm a part of these people that I'm mentioning. Everyone always talks about the left side of the line. They like the right side. They love they, they, hey, Chooks has played great football this season. I don't think anyone is regretting that contract as, as much as they bemoaned it in the offseason. Chooks at right tackle, James Daniel at right guard, and even Mason Cole at center have all done a tremendous job. No one seems to be complaining about them in large part. 
Now, the left side, well, that's a different story altogether. Kevin Dotson at left guard and Dan Moore at left tackle have been basically the guys that if there's something wrong with the offensive line, nine out of ten times it's being pointed at that in their direction. They played they play great games. They played great games. Yes, Kevin Dotson had a false start. And that's it's, it's going to happen, okay? You know, all-world Hall of Fame, Alan Fanica also had false starts. So I don't want you to think that a one false start, which actually was negated by a Carolina Panthers false start the next play, it, that doesn't mean that this guy stinks and he's a bum and they need to find his replacement next offseason. But what it does is it gives the Steelers an idea that, wow, these guys actually can get the job done. They can pass protect. They can run block. And when they're doing it at a high level, it looks really, really impressive. But the problem is what? It's consistency. And in this game even, the the Steelers' MO on defense has always been to rush the passer. And in the first half of this this game, they could not get home. They couldn't get home. In the second half, though, they did. So what are we talking about? We're talking about consistency. Can they do this more at a more play like this. When I say do this, it's meaning play this way in this fashion in a more consistent way. That's going to be the key. And so when I talk about something that Kevin Smith brought up on the Here We Go Steelers show two weeks ago, how the final five games, because there were five games left at the time, the final five games were going to be quote-unquote tryouts for a lot of players, meaning you better show up and show out if you want to have a job next year. For some, it might be that you're on the roster, but you don't have a starting job anymore. For others, it might be where are you playing next year. Different scenario for every single player. The final three games is going to be an opportunity for people like Dan Moore and Kevin Dotson to really bond together and say, let's show them what we do, but let's do it week in and week out. Let's give them something to really ponder this offseason. Because if they don't, well, we know what's going to happen. They're going to draft your replacement or they're going to bring in a free agent. So this is going to be interesting. They've shown the potential. Now it's can they develop the consistency and can they reach that potential more often than they don't. That is what I'm excited to watch down the stretch here, starting with that week 16 game, the Immaculate Reception Anniversary against the Las Vegas Raiders at Acroshore Stadium this Sunday night, Christmas Eve. Still hate the Steelers for doing that. Not the Steelers, the NFL. The NFL. Okay, here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to take a break. When I come back from the break, I'm going to talk about winners and losers. There's 10 winners, three losers. We'll be right back. Right after this break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. 
Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Fans, welcome back to the second half. It's a victory Monday still. Hope you all are rocking your gear as you always do. Celebrating the win regardless of what it means for the playoff picture, all that stuff. Hopefully you're out there enjoying the win. Let's talk about some winners and losers. The Steelers, in my regard, had 10 winners and three losers after the 24-16 win over the Panthers in Week 15. Let's take a look at the winners, shall we? First winner. A guy that has not been on the winner's list too often this season is Deontay Johnson. Stat line, 10 catches on 10 targets. That's right. Every pass thrown his way, he hauled in. 98 yards, a 9.8 average. He did not score a touchdown, had a 19-yard long. Deontay Johnson can be frustrating. Everyone that's watched this young man play knows he can be frustrating. The one thing about Deontay Johnson that is developed, and he has – uh, you know, this this knack for just creating space. Everyone loves that ESPN. I think that's what they call it, actually, like the creating space uh, demographic. I don't know. Anyways, they, they use these stats and, and everything, and they try to figure out which which receiver in the National Football League gets open the most. And Deontay Johnson's always near the top of that list. But the thing is, is that just because you're open doesn't mean that the quarterback has time to throw it, doesn't mean that you're making the catch in this regard. So, he was able to get open and use those skills on some really big third downs. Yes, the penalty was bad, and I'm referring to the taunting penalty, which happened after a really great third down conversion where he used his shiftiness and his stop-and-go speed to break tackles and to get the yardage necessary for a first down. It was just a really big play, and to follow it up with that boneheaded mistake was really tough to see, but... They were able to overcome that, thankfully. They were able to overcome that. But Deontay Johnson's performance was a good one. He still has not scored a touchdown. I'm sure that's burning him deep inside. But ultimately, he is doing enough. He's making enough plays. 10 catches, 10 targets. Not much to complain about. That's a winning effort. The next winner, Mitch Trubisky. Stat line, 17 of 22. 179 yards and 8.1 yard average. He did not throw a touchdown. No interceptions either. Was sacked one time for 10 yards. He had a 100.4 rating. Now, I do have to add, he had six carries for nine yards and one touchdown. He had several third-down conversions. Look, Mitch Trubisky, I've been very open about how with Trubisky, I'm, I, I wasn't a fan of his coming out of the preseason and especially early on in the regular season. But, hey, I was pulling hard for Mitch to win because I pull hard for the Steelers to win. And he played good football. In the first half, his life was made pretty easy. I've already read off in the first half when I talked about Najee Harris and Jalen Warren running the ball so well. When they're setting up third and manageables, it is an easy job. Second half, the Steelers' running game was not as dominant, and he had to make some big-time throws and big-time situations, and he did. So kudos to Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Maybe some people will use the age-old Duck Hodges Sunday night football against the Chargers in 2019 when Mike Tomlin said, when he was asked about Duck Hodges, he said, hey, he didn't kill us. Say what you want. Mitch Trubisky played well. He got the team the win. Kudos to him. He's a winner. The next, the pass rush. As I said, the Steelers had not been able to get home in the first half of this game. It was frustrating. 
you can see they're getting close. Sam Darnold, although not fast, he is able to manipulate the pocket. He is able to run if he needs to. And uh, he was able to get out of pressure, get out of these situations that usually result in sacks. However, the second half is when they started to get home. They end up with four sacks on the day. Uh, Alex Highsmith has one. And then Cam Hayward and TJ Watt both have one and a half for those four sacks. They had six quarterback hits. It was good to see the defense finally start to get home. They've been missing that. I'm not going to credit to anything special. Probably the fact that TJ Watt is starting to get healthy again. That plays a role in it. So kudos to the pass rush. Definitely a winning effort. The next winner, something I've already talked about at length in the first half, and that is the running game. The stat line, you heard it already, 45 carries. This is as a team, mind you. 45 carries. 156 total yards, three and a half yard average, three rushing touchdowns, and a 22 yard long. That 22 yard long run was actually a Steven Sims end around, uh, in case you were wondering. But so I look at this running game, I look at that as you think about the Steelers running the football. Since the bye week, up until the Baltimore game, they had, they had run the ball over 100 yards. In that time span, so from week ten on, they continue that trend. They are th- that last week's performance on the ground, I believe, was just a. They just abandoned the run. They didn't abandon the run in this game. It was good to see, and the running game rewarded them for sticking with it. And they made Mitch Trubisky's job easier. And they rushed the ball again. That three and a half yard or more average. That's what I like to see. Good for the running game. Good for the offensive line. They deserve a lot of credit. The next is third down offense. I tell you all the time, I shoot for 50%. I heard it on the telecast, and I wanted to bring it up here. I know Dave Schofield's going to dive into this for his Stat Geek podcast on Thursday, is the fact that the Steelers, since their bye, have averaged 50% on third downs. That's crazy. Dave's talked about third down percentages, and he said that 40% is more like the average. They went above both of those in this game. The third down offense is the next winner. The stat line is they were 12 of 16. 12 of 16 on third downs. That is incredible. That statistic is insane. You might be listening to this thinking, well, 12 of 16, yeah, it sounds really good. You have no idea how important that is for this team and some of these other winners that I'm going to have here, just how incredibly helpful and important that is. The third down offense was really clicking on all cylinders, and it shows you when a team can sustain drives, even if those drives don't result in touchdowns or points, just sustain drives that move the ball, get some first downs, and if you have to punt it and you're flipping the field, sometimes that's enough. Give that defense a little bit of a break. Kudos to the third down offense. Now the next winner, like I said, talked about a little bit in the first half, the run defense. They hold Carolina to 16 carries, 21 yards, 1.3-yard average, no touchdowns, and a 5-yard long. I, you could tell early on in this game the Steelers were selling out to stop the run. That's something I said the Steelers should have done. That was in my keys to victory on Friday. Go back and listen to it if you want. I said that one of the keys is the Steelers need to sell out to stop the run. If you're going to lose this game, make Sam Darnold beat you. And early on in that game, you could tell Carolina was not ready. They were not ready to be smacked in the mouth like that. And it wasn't until they started to open things up with Sam Darnold that they started to move the ball. 
Unfortunately, when you sell out to stop the run, it can leave your secondary a little bit exposed in the back end, and the Steelers saw some of that in Week 15. I don't think that was a huge red flag, so to speak. They do need some help in the back end, but ultimately, I thought the run defense was the story for the defense in this game. All right, next winner is the Steelers versus the NFC South. It is kind of sickening, though, when you think about it. Like, the NFC South is bad. I mean, the teams in the NFC South, in case you forget, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and New Orleans. And so the Steelers versus the NFC South, that's such a bad division. They finished 4-0. And then when you think about, wow, the Steelers are, they've only won six games. <laughs> they've only won six games, and four of them are against the worst division in football Kind of cheapens it a little bit, but hey, you can't set the schedule. You just have to play it, and the Steelers took care of business in that regard against the NFC South. That's definitely a winner. The next winner, we have three left. Time of possession. Listen to these numbers. Pittsburgh Steelers' time of possession in this Week 15 game, 36 minutes and 11 seconds. Carolina's time of possession, 23 minutes and 49 seconds. That is crazy. 36 minutes to 23 minutes. That is all about the Steelers running the ball, converting on third downs, keeping Carolina on the sideline. And again, something that I said on Friday with the way the Steelers should approach this game is make it to the point where the Carolina Panthers have to abandon the run. And they did that. And they did that by keeping them on the on the sidelines. They weren't able to get into a rhythm. The time of possession was very telling on a winner for the Steelers. The next winner is that 21-play, 11-plus-minute drive. I that started. This is to start the third quarter, mind you. So starting the third quarter, everyone knows how bad the Steelers are in the third quarter. When they come out and put together a 21-play, 11, I think it was over 11 and a half minutes, and they score a touchdown on that drive, that what better way to start? They took up the vast majority of the third quarter with that drive. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Najee Harris, after the game, was talking with reporters, and he was asked about that drive. He said, look, everyone, you know, we've been coming out slow in the third quarter. We said, let's come out fast. Let's go out there and take it to them. They did exactly that, a winning performance. And the last winner is the red zone offense. They finished three for three, 100%. Every time they made it to the red zone, it equated in a touchdown. What more can you ask? The Steelers, when they got to the red zone, converted into touchdowns. That is almost as telling as any other statistic that you're going to find from this game. So to recap the winners, 10 of them, Deontay Johnson, Mitch Trubisky, the pass rush, the running game, third down offense, the rush defense, the Steelers versus the NFC South, time of possession, the 21-play, 11-plus-minute drive, and then the red zone offense. So now we got to go to the losers. There's three of them. And the first one is the biggest one, and that is Marcus Allen. So in case you forget, Marcus Allen, and he's a special teamer. That dude's not playing any defensive snaps because what what does he do? He, he is a hybrid linebacker safety that – no, it, he's not playing. He's a special teamer. Let's call a spade a spade. So the Steelers get back-to-back sacks. Remember, the Carolina Panthers had been moving the ball into field goal range. Alex Highsmith, sack. Next play, third down. Cam Hayward, sack. It's like fourth and 27. This is fantastic. 
And then all of a sudden, something happens, a dead ball foul. And it's Marcus Allen. But it's Marcus Allen in, I can't for the life of me, I, I can't fathom what he was thinking as to why he did what he did. And if you missed the game, let me try to explain. During the break, the Panthers are getting ready to punt. Marcus Allen goes to the other side of the football field and tries to get into, this is what it seems like from the footage that we saw, tries to get into the Carolina Panthers huddle during the special teams break. Of course, they get upset. There's some pushing and shoving. Get out of here. Flag thrown. We have an unsportsmanlike conduct. 15-yard penalty. New set of downs. Now, the Panthers, thankfully, don't score a touchdown. But if you watch that game, you got a feel for the vibe of that game. The Steelers were taking it to the Panthers, and that third quarter was theirs in every way, shape, and form. That one play, not only did it equate to three points, changed the entire vibe of the game. All of a sudden, some momentum went to Carolina. Carolina started to get a little, they started to get a little jump in their step. I believe the Steelers had a three and out shortly after that. And all of a sudden, the table started to turn. And Mr. Momentum started to change his address. And you're looking at, and there's people on Twitter saying, I don't like the feel of this. I don't like the vibe of this. No one did. All because of that boneheaded personal foul penalty. Now, I'm not expecting Mike Tomlin to go back to Pittsburgh and say, we're cutting Marcus Allen. I would understand it if he did, but I'm not expecting that. But I, I, I would hope that Mike Tomlin would say, hey, Marcus, we're going to have to sit you down. Maybe you're not active next game. I don't know. That might be drastic, but still, I, I just can't fathom that penalty. You know, Deontay Johnson's penalty was bad. But to me, that is a penalty that, let's say, and that was a chippy game, by the way. That, that was a really chippy game between two teams that, although they play each other in the preseason, do not play each other that often. And so there's probably some drawing going on. There's probably a lot of talking going on in between plays. Well, Deontay Johnson gets that third down conversion. He gets up. He's probably wanting to go and jaw right back at the, the guy that's probably been get, giving it to him the entire time. I get that. I understand that. It's a heat of the moment. Marcus Allen, that was not the heat of the moment. It was, a, it was a commercial break. They're on the other side of the field. You run intentionally to the other side of the field. What are you doing? I'm sorry. I cannot even wrap my head around anyone that tries to explain that decision. He's a loser. I've spent too much time talking about it, but he leads the loser list. The next kind of ties in with that at penalties in general. Stat line. Steelers finished with seven penalties for 81 yards. Six of those penalties were in the second half, mind you. Just a highly penalized team just looks really undisciplined. Really undisciplined. I don't like that look at all. The last loser is disappearing weapons. Now, this is going to tie. Bear with me. So, Pat Fryermuth finishes the game against Carolina with zero targets. Not zero catches. Zero targets. You can't catch a ball that's not thrown to you. And I don't understand this, and I'm not sure if this is a quarterback thing, if it's a coordinator thing. I don't know. Some people online, beat writers, et cetera, were kind of saying that maybe it was because Pat Fryermuth is very limited this week with a foot injury. So be it. But no targets? Like not even a target th targeted throw? In this offense, I'm not sure what it is. 
these weapons have a tendency to disappear. We've seen George Pickens disappear. And I'm not talking like he's not seeing snaps. They're not throwing him the ball. The only player, because obviously Fryermeath, this happened to him on in week 15. The only player that never gets completely wiped off is Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson always gets his targets. And I'm not sure if it's because he goes into the media and says certain things about how he wants the ball more or anything like that. That's neither here nor there. But this disappearing act for some of the weapons is really befuddling to me. It makes me scratch my head and say, what the heck's going on? You have a tight end that's as prolific as, as Pat Fryermuth, and you never throw him a football? I don't know. I, I can't. Just like the Marcus Allen thing, I'm trying to justify it somehow. I can't do it. can't justify it. I have no way of justifying that at all. So those are the losers. Marcus Allen, the penalties, and the disappearing act with some of the weapons on the Steelers' offense. All right. There you have it, folks. It's a victory Monday. I hope you're enjoying it. Short week this week. The Steelers are going to get ready for that Saturday night game in Pittsburgh against the Raiders. Nothing changes with my schedule this week. So I'm going to have my show today, Monday. I'm going to ask for questions on Tuesday. Uh, Follow me on Twitter for that, at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T. I send out the tweet using a Wedding Crashers gift Tuesday morning. You respond. I answer that question on the Wednesday mailbag. And then I'm going to be back on Friday. We'll have the All Bets Are Off segment, give you the predictions, NFL picks, and then that's that. There's a good chance that my Winners and Losers podcast will be, won't be on Christmas Day. It'll be my normal Monday time slot, but we'll talk about that later in the week. In the meantime, enjoy this win. Enjoy the start to your week. I'm excited for this. You should be too, and I will see you back here on Wednesday. In the meantime, you know we finished it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. My candles burning bright. I sleep for three to four hours every night.